Chapter 10 Is it alright then if Nakata calls you Kawamura? He repeated the question to the striped brown cat, enunciating his words slowly, make it, making it as easy to understand as he could. This particular cat had said he thought he would run across Goma, um, the missing one-year-old tortoise shell in this vicinity. But from Nakata's viewpoint, he spoke very strangely. The feeling was mutual, for the cat seemed to be having its own problems following him. Their conversation was at cross-purposes. I don't mind at all, the tallest of heads. Pardon me, but Nakata doesn't understand what you are saying. Forgive me, but I am not so bright. It's a tuna to the very end. Are you perhaps saying you would like to eat a tuna? No, the hands tied up before. Nakata never went into these conversations with cats, expecting to be able to easily communicate everything. You have to anticipate a few problems when cats and humans try to speak to each other. And there was another factor to consider, Nakata's own basic problems with talking, not just with cats, but also with people. His easy conversation with Otsuka the previous week was more the exception than the rule. For invariably, Getting across even a simple message took a great deal of effort. On bad days, it was more like two people on opposite shores of a canal yelling to each other in a high wind. Today was one of those days. He wasn't sure why, but brown striped cats were the hardest to get on the same wavelength with. With black cats, things mostly went well. Communicating with Siamese cats was the easiest of all. But unfortunately, there weren't too many stray Siamese wandering, wandering the streets. So the chance didn't present itself often. Siamese were mainly kept at home, well taken care of. And for some reason, brown striped cats made up the bulk of the strays. Even knowing what to expect, Nakata found Kawamura impossible to decipher. He enunciated his words poorly and Nakata couldn't catch what each one meant or the connection between them. What the cat said came out sounding more like riddles than sentences. Still, Nakata was infinitely patient and had plenty of time on his hands. He repeated the same question over and over, having the cat repeat his responses. The two of them were seated on a boundary stone, marking a small park for children in a residential area. They had been talking for nearly an hour, going round and round in circles. Kawamura is just a name I'll call you. It doesn't mean anything. Nakata gives names to each cat, so it's easy to remember. It won't cause you any problems, I promise you. I'd just like to call you that, if you don't mind. In response, Kawamura kept muttering something incomprehensible, and since this wasn't likely to stop anytime soon, Nakata interrupted, trying to move their talk along by showing Kawamura the photo of Goma once more. Mr. Kawamura, this is Goma, the cat that Nakata is looking for, a one-year-old tortoise shell cat. She is owned by the Koizumis of the Trichom neighborhood in Nogata, who lost track of her a while ago. Mrs. Koizumi opened a window and the cat leaped out and ran away. So one more I would like to ask you, have you seen this cat? Kawamura gazed at the photograph again and nodded. If it's tuna, Kawamura tied, tied up, try to find.
I am sorry, but as I said a moment ago, Nagata is not very bright and can't understand very well what we are getting at. Would you mind repeating that? If it is Tuna, Kwamura tries, try to find and tide it up. By Tuna you mean the fish, tries the Tuna, tie it Kwamura. Nakuta rubbed his closely cropped salt pepper hair and puzzled this over. What could he possibly do to solve this tuna riddle and escape from the maze the conversation had become? No matter how much he put his mind to it, however, he was clueless. Puzzling things out logically, after all, wasn't exactly his forte. Totally blithe to a tall, Kaumara lifted a rear leg and gave the spot just below his chin a good scratch. Just then, Nakata thought he heard a small laugh behind him. He turned and saw, seated on a low concrete wall next to a house, a lovely slim Siamese looking at him with narrowed eyes. Excuse me, but would you by chance be Mr. Nakata? The Siamese purred. Yes, that's correct. My name's Nakata. It's very nice to meet you. Likewise, I'm sure, the Siamese replied. It's been cloudy since this morning, but I don't expect we'll be seeing any rain soon, Nakata said. I do hope the rain holds off. The Siamese was a female, just approaching middle age. She proudly held her tail up straight and had a collar with a name tag. She had pleasant features and was slim and was not an ounce of surplus fat. Please call me Mimi, the Mimi from La Bohemi. There's a song about her too, Mi Chiamano Mimi. I see, Nakata said, not really following. An opera by Puccini, you know. My owner happens to be a great fan of opera. Mimi said and smiled amiably. I'd sing it for you, but unfortunately, I'm not much of a singer. Nakata is very happy to meet you, Mimi-san. Same for me, Mr. Nakata. Do you live near here? Yes. In that two-story house over there, the Tanabe's house. You see it, right? The one with the cream-colored BMW 530 parked in front? I see, Nakata repeated. He had no idea what a BMW was, but he did spot a cream-colored car. That must be what she meant. Mr. Nakata, Mimi said, I am known as self-reliant or perhaps you would say a very private sort of cat. And I don't normally interfere in others' affairs. But that youngster, the one I believe you're referring to as uh, Kawamura, is not what I would call the brightest kitty in the litter. When he was still young, a child ran into him with his bicycle. And poor thing, and he struck his head against some concrete. Ever since then, he hasn't made much sense. So even if you're patient with him, as I see you've been, you won't get anywhere. I've been watching for a while and I'm afraid I couldn't just sit idly by. I know it's forward for me to do so, but I had to say something. No, please don't think that. I'm very happy you told me. Nagata's as dumb as Kawamura, I'm afraid, and uh, can't get by without other people's help. That's why I get a subsidy from the governor every month. So I'm very happy to hear your opinion, Mimi. I take it you are looking for a cat, Mimi said. I wasn't eavesdropping, mind you, but just happened to overhear you as I was taking a nap here. Goma, I believe, you said 
the name was. Yes, that is correct and Kawamura has seen Goma. That is what he told me, but Nakata cannot work out what he said after that. If you would not mind Mr. Nakata, why do not I step in and try to talk with him? It is easier for two cats to communicate and I am fairly used to the way he talks. So why do not I sound him out then summarize it for you? That would be very helpful I am sure. The Siamese nodded lightly and like a ballet dancer nimbly leaped down from the concrete wall. Black tail held up high like a flag staff, she walked leisurely over and sat down beside Kawamura. He immediately began to sniff Mimi's rump, but the Siamese gave him a swift blow to the cheek and the younger cat shrunk back. With barely a pause, Mini, Mimi dealt him another blow to the nose. Now pay attention, you brainless dingbat. You stinky good for nothing, Mimi hissed, then turned to Nakata. You got to show him who's in charge straight off or you'll never get anywhere. Otherwise, he'll go all spacey on you and all you get is drivel. It's not his fault he's this way and I do feel sorry for him, but what are you to do? I see, Nakata said, not at all sure what he was agreeing to. The two cats began conversing, but they spoke so quickly and softly that Nakata wasn't able to catch any of it. Mimi grilled Kawamura in a sharp tone, the younger cat replying timidly. Any hesitation got him another merciless slap to the face. This Siamese cat was clever and educated too. Nakata had met many cats up till this point, but never before one who listened to the opera and knew models of cars. Impressed, he watched as Mimi went about her business with a brisk efficiency. Once Mimi had heard everything she wanted to, she chased the younger cat off. Be on your way, she said sharply, and he slunk dejectedly away. Mimi nestled into Nakata's lap. I think I have got the gist of it. Much obliged, Nakata said. That cat, Kawamura that is, said he's seen Goma several times in a grassy spot just down the road. It's an empty plot of land they were planning to build on. A property developer bought up a car company's parts warehouse and tore it down, planning to put up a high class complex. A citizens movement supposed the development. There was some legal battle and the construction's been put on hold. The sort of thing that happens all the time these days. The plot's overgrown with grass and people hardly ever go there. So it's the perfect hangout for all the strays in the neighborhood. I don't keep company with many cats and I don't want to get fleas. So I hardly ever go over there. As you are no doubt aware, fleas are like a bad habit. Awfully hard to get rid of once you get them. I see, Nakata said. He told me the cat's just like the one in the photograph, a timid, pretty young tortoise shell with a flea collar. Can't seem to speak that well either. It's clear to anyone that it's a naive house cat that can't find its way back home. When was this, I wonder? The last time he saw the cat seems to have been three or four days ago. As he's not very bright, he's not even sure about days. But he did say it was the day after it rained. So I'm thinking it must have been Monday. I seem to recall it rained pretty hard on Sunday. Nakata doesn't know about the days of the week, but I think it did rain around then. 
he hasn't seen her since. That was the last time. The other ca cats haven't seen her either, he says. He's a spacey, good-for-nothing cat. But I pressed him closely and believe most of what he says. I really want to thank you. No need, it was my pleasure. Most of the time, I have only this worthless bunch of cats around here to talk to and we never seem to agree on anything. I find it incredibly irritating. So it's a breath of fresh air to be able to talk to a sensible human such as yourself. I see, Nakata said. There's one thing Nakata still doesn't understand. Mr. Kawamura kept going on about tuna and I was wondering if he meant the fish. Mimi lightly lifted her left front leg, inspecting the pink flesh of the pad and chuckled. The youngster's terminology isn't very extensive, I'm afraid. Terminology? The number of words he's familiar with is limited, is what I'm saying. So for him, everything that's good to eat is tuna. For him, tuna's the cream de la creme, as far as food goes. He doesn't know there are such things as sea bream, halibut or yellowtail. Nakata cleared his throat. Actually, Nakata is very fond of tuna. Of course, I like eel as well. I'm fond of eel myself, though it's not the sort of thing you can eat all the time. That's true. You couldn't eat it all the time. The two of them were silent for a time, eel musings filling the passing moments. Anyway, what the cat was getting at is this, Mimi said, as if suddenly remembering. Not long after the neighborhood cats began hanging out at that vacant plot, a bad person showed up who catches cats. The other cats believed that this man may have taken Goma away. The man lures them with something good to eat, then throws them into a large sack. The man's quite skilled at catching cats and a hungry, innocent cat like Goma would easily fall into his trap. Even the stray cats who live around here, normally a very brunch, have lost a couple of their number to this man. It's simply hideous because nothing could be worse for a cat than to be stuffed inside a bag. I see, Nakata said and again rubbed his salt pepper hair with his palm. But what does this man do with the cats once he's caught them? That I don't know. In the old days, they used to make shamisens out of cat skin. But nowadays, not too many people play the shamisen. And besides, I hear they mainly use plastic now. In some parts of the world, people eat cats. Though not in Japan, thank goodness. So I think we can exclude both of these as motives. Which leaves, let me see, people who use cats in scientific experiments. Cats are used a lot in experiments. One of my friends, in fact, was used in a psychology experiment at Tokyo University. A terrible thing, but it's a long story and I won't go into it now. There are also perverts, not many, mind you, who simply enjoy tormenting cats. Catching a cat and chopping off its tail, for instance. What do they do after they chop it off? Nothing. They just want to torment and hurt the cats makes them feel good for some reason. I'm afraid there are twisted people like that in the world. Nakata gave this some thought. How could chopping off a cat's tail possibly be fun? So what you're saying is that maybe this twisted person has taken Goma away? He asked. Mimi screwed up her long white whiskers and frowned. I would rather not think of that or even imagine it, but it is a possibility. Mr. Nakata, 
I haven't lived all that many years, but I've seen terrible things I never could have imagined. Most people look at cats and think, what a life. All we do is lie around in the sun, never having to lift a finger. But cats' lives aren't that idyllic. Cats are powerless, weak little creatures that endure easily. We don't have shells like turtles, nor wings like birds. We can't burrow into the ground like moles or change color like a chameleon. The world has no idea how many cats are injured every day. How many of us meet a miserable end? I happen to be lucky enough to live with the Tanabees. In a warm and friendly family, the children treat me well and I've got everything I need. But even my life isn't always easy. When it comes to strays though, they have a very tough time of it. You're really clever, aren't you, Mimi? Nagata said, impressed by the Siamese's eloquence. No, not really, Mimi replied, narrowing her eyes in embarrassment. I just spend too much time lying in front of the TV and this is what happens. My head gets full of worthless facts. Do you ever watch TV, Mr. Nakata? No, Nakata doesn't watch TV. The people on TV talk too fast and I can't keep up with them. I'm dumb. So I can't read and if you can't read TV, it doesn't make much sense. Sometimes I listen to the radio, but the words there are also too fast and it tires me out. I much prefer doing this, enjoying talking to a cat outside under the sky. Indeed, Mimi said. That's right, Nakata replied. I really hope that Goma is all right. Mimi, Nakata is going to have a look at the empty plot of land. According to the youngster, this man is very tall, wears a strange tall hat and long leather boots and he walks fast. He looks very unusual, so you'll recognize him right away, he told me. Whenever the cats that gather at the empty plot see him coming, they scatter in all directions. But a newcomer might not know enough to... Nakata stored this information away in his head, carefully folding it all away in a front drawer so he wouldn't forget it. The man is very tall, wears a strange tall hat and long leather boots. I hope I have been of help, Mimi said. Nakata appreciates everything you have done. If you hadn't been kind enough to speak up, I'd still be going round and round about Tuna. I'm grateful. What I think, Mimi said, gazing up at Nakata with knitted brows, is that this man is trouble, a lot of trouble. He's more dangerous than you can ever imagine. If it were me, I would never go near that plot. But you're human and it's your job after all. But I hope you'll take every precaution. Thank you very kindly. I'll be as careful as I can. Mr. Nakata, this world is a terribly violent place and nobody can escape the violence. Please keep that in mind. You can't be too cautious. The same holds true for cats as for human beings. I'll remember that, Nakata replied. But he had no idea where and how the world could be violent. The world was full of things Nakata couldn't comprehend. And most things connected with violence fell into that category. After saying goodbye to Mimi, he went to see the empty plot, which turned out to be about the size of a small playground. A tall plywood fence enclosed the area with a sign on it saying, Keep out, site of future construction, which Nakata naturally could not read. A heavy chain blocked the entrance, but round the back was a gap in the fence and he easily got inside. 
someone must have priced it open. All the warehouses that had originally stood there had been torn down. But the land hadn't been leveled for building on and was covered with grass. Goldenrod grew as high as a child, a couple of butterflies flickering above it. Mounds of earth had hardened in the rain, in some places rising up in little hillocks. A perfect place for cats. People wouldn't come in. There were all sorts of little creatures to catch and plenty of places to hide. Kavapura was nowhere to be seen. Two scrawny cats with rough coats were there. But when Nekata called out a friendly greeting, they glanced at him coldly and disappeared into the weeds. Which made sense. None of them wanted to get caught and have his tail chopped off. Nakata himself certainly didn't want to have that happen to him. Not that he had a tail. It was no wonder the cats were wary of him. Nakata stood on higher ground and took a good look around. No one else was there, only the butterflies searching for something, fluttering above the weeds. He found a good spot to sit down, lowered his canvas bag from his shoulder, took out two bean jam buns and had his usual lunch. He drank hot tea from a thermos, eyes narrowed as he sipped. Just a quiet early afternoon, everything was at rest, placid, harmonious. Nakata found it hard to believe that somebody might be lying in wait to torment and torture cats. He rubbed his hair as he chewed. If somebody else were with him, he could explain. Nakata is not very bright. But unfortunately, he was alone. All he could do was nod a few times to himself and continue chewing. Once he finished the buns, he folded up the cellophane they had been wrapped up in into a compact square and put it into his bag. He screwed the lid back tight of the thermos and put it in his bag as well. The sky was covered with a layer of clouds, but from their color, he could tell that the sun was just about directly overhead. The man is very tall, wears a strange tall hat and long leather boots. Nakata tried to picture this man, but had no idea what a strange tall hat or long leather boots looked like. In his whole life, he had never encountered any tall hats and long leather boots. Kawamura had told Mimi that you would know him when you saw him. So Nagata decided, I suppose I'll just have to wait until I see him. That's definitely the best plan. He stood up and relieved himself in the weeds. A long, honest pee, then went over to a clump of weeds in a corner of the vacant plot of land where he had the best chance of remaining hidden from sight and sat out the rest of the afternoon waiting for the strange man to turn up. Waiting was a boring task. He had no idea when the man might appear, maybe tomorrow, maybe not for a week, or maybe he'll never show up again. There was that possibility. Nakata, though, was used to aimless waiting and spending time alone, doing nothing. He wasn't bothered in the least. Time wasn't the main issue for him. He didn't even own a watch. Nakata operated on his own sense of time. In the morning, it got light. In the evening, the sun set and it got dark. Once it got dark, he would go to the nearby public baths. And after coming home from his bath, he would go to sleep. The public baths were closed on certain days of the week. And when that happened, he would just give up and go straight home. His stomach told him when it was time to eat. And when the time came for him to go and pick up his subsidy. Somebody was always nice enough to tell him when that day was near. 
he knew another month had passed. The next day, he would always go for a haircut at the local barber shop. Every summer, someone from the ward office would treat him to eel and every new year, they would bring him rice cakes. Nakata let his body, let his body relax, switched off his mind, letting things flow through him. This was natural for him, something he had done ever since he was a child, without a second thought. Before long, the borders of his consciousness fluttered around, just like the butterflies. Beyond his borders lay a dark abyss. Occasionally, his consciousness would fly over the border and hover over that dizzying black crevasse. But Nakata wasn't afraid of the darkness or how deep it was. And why should he be? The bottomless world of darkness, that weighty silence and chaos was an old friend, a part of him already. Nakata understood this well. In the world there was no writing, no days. In that world there was no writing, no days of the week, no scary governor, no opera, no BMWs, no scissors, no tall hats. On the other hand, neither were there delicious eel, no tasty bean jam buns. Everything is there, but there are no parts. Since there are no parts, there is no need to replace one thing with another. No need to remove anything or add anything. You don't have to think about difficult things. Just let yourself soak it all in. For Nakata, nothing could be better. Occasionally, he dozed off. When he slept, though, his senses, ever vigilant, kept watch over the vacant plot. If something happened, if someone came, he could wake up and do what needed to be done. The sky was covered with a flat line of grey clouds, but at least it wasn't going to rain. The cats all knew it, and so did Nagata. Thank you.